Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California, this is the Sixth Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael, and today we're thrilled to have on the show Dolly Safran, who is a generational UFO contactee with lifelong experiences with gray ETs. And we learned about her through the veteran UFO researcher Preston Dennett, who was on our show a couple weeks ago, and whose book, Symmetry, A True UFO Adventure, chronicles her incredible story. Uh, Preston writes, Dolly's story is the single most extensive account of ET contact I have ever investigated or even read about, which is really amazing since he's been investigating for decades. So we're really excited to have her come on. And we also have a surprise co-host. He is Matt Abshire, and he's friend of the show and a UFO enthusiast. So we thought it'd be fun for him to come on and ask some questions of Dolly, too. So before we get started, Michael has a few announcements. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our broadcast. And yeah, we've been looking forward to this show now for a couple of weeks, so we're super excited about it. Sorry about last week, and our apologies to our guest, Sandra Inman. Um, but Chris and I, unfortunately, both came down with COVID, so we had to scrap last week's show. We're going to reschedule her for May, so please tune in for that. And she's always a wonderful guest. And next week, we have Spell It Out, Magic Reflections and Shadows, and Krista will be talking about something Chris-ish, whatever topic she decides to run with. So Tune in for that. Um, get all the information on our website, sixcentsociety.com, S-A-X-T-H, all spelled out. While you're there, if you can, buy us a coffee on Ko-Fi. We definitely appreciate the support. Um, and, you know, drop us an email, sixcentsos at gmail.com. You know, you can find all the information again on our website. Um, but the main thing is click like and subscribe, and that really helps the most. So I want to go through this fast because we have so much ground to cover today, and Dolly's going to be such a fascinating guest. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time, so take it away, Krista and Matt. Great. Thank you, Michael. And welcome, Dolly. And welcome, Matt. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> hey, hey. So thanks, thanks again for coming on the show. I really was very excited about this. I did mention before the show, I, I managed to read the book in two days. And uh, it, it was very, it's very well written because, you know, it's one thing to have information on about a book, but I really found it a compelling story for a variety of reasons. So I'm very interested to ask you some questions based on that and some other things. But I thought maybe it'd be good since no one has on our sh show, you haven't been on our show yet. So maybe talk a little bit about how you got involved in this and a little bit of your backstory to the audience. Okay. Um, it pretty much began before I was born. I am a generational contactee. My father was also a contactee. We think my mother was, but she had issues with it. Um, when I was born, um, there were problems. Um, I was an identical twin and my twin was missing when I came into the world. And uh, that was pretty freaky for my parents to find that out. Um, I didn't know that until I was probably 20 years old and they finally told me. I was kind of new anyway. Um, I started developing uh, abilities really, really young. I'm wide open psychic and uh, this put my parents to the task. Uh, my first real uh, memory, I was 10 months old, and I was in my crib. We were in Miami. Uh, we were living off of um, Biscayne Bay, across the street, and uh, we were in a big high-rise apartment building, and we had just gotten there, and uh, I saw lights coming through my window. We had uh, level oars, you know, the metal ones, and um, I started lifting up off my bed. I remember this vividly. And about the time I got all the way up to the top of the rails, I freaked out and I tried to flip over and go back down. And that's the last thing I remember. Um, I developed a really weird habit after that. Um, I slept with my feet through the bars of the crib after that. I would not sleep any other way. And I think I was trying to protect myself from being levitated out again. You know, who knows what you're thinking in 10 months. Um, the second big incident was I was about mm, two and a half. My mom was heavily pregnant with my brother, Bobby, and 
the house was all locked up and I was supposedly taking a nap and she was resting. And suddenly she thought, hmm, something is weird. And she got up to check on me and I was gone. No, no way I got out of the house. It was locked up tighter than a drum. And uh, she started freak out. She called my dad. They pulled him off what he was doing and he ran home. They had called the police. Um, they eventually, uh, after about an hour and a half, they put her in a patrol car. They thought if I heard a voice, I would come to her. So they started going through the neighborhoods calling me, you know, she was, you know, dolly dolly. It, uh, they put out an APB on me and finally it came over the radio that they had found me and he went, took my mom to where I was. So it's about six miles from the house. And I was at a Utotem store in Miami, uh, off of Miller mm-hmm. Road. And uh, we were living in Westwood Lakes at that time. We we're just getting ready to move to the Everglades. And um, I had nothing on but underwear because that's how I slept when I napped. No shoes, nothing. And uh, I was really upset when she got in. Um, uh, they were trying to reason with me to get me to say what happened. And all I kept saying was, I want a balloon. Um, they promised me a balloon if I got in the store and waited for mom to come. They told me that would happen. Uh, I remember being landed in the back of the store, which in Miami back in those days, there's hardly anybody around. This is out in the middle of nowhere. And they said, walk around the front and get in. And uh, when I got to the doors, I couldn't push them open. I mean, they were just heavier than me. And the guy saw me and he brought me in and he sat me down on the counter and he's like, what's going on? And then he called the cops. Um, The police uh, made a big deal out of this. My parents uh, were shook with how they went with, they they were going to take me from them, put me in foster uh, for a day or two while they went to our house and investigated how this happened. Mm-hmm. My mom was nine months pregnant, ready to deliver. There's no way she would, you know, they, they talked to them, talked to them. They finally cleared both of them and uh, let me go home with them. And they brought me home. Uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks later, they got a police dog retired. Her name was Heidi. And they were hoping to keep me home after that because I would disappear in the house a lot after that. And then the dogs started going with me. This went on for a long time. We moved out to the glades. We had more dogs. And I have moments of memories where I see them coming. I know they're coming. A couple of times I ran from them because I was way out in the field. We had a farm and I was way out in the field and I hauled for the house when I saw them. And that's the last memory I had that day. Um, I remember being in places that I would not attribute to anywhere on this planet. And I, I was very smart and I was accelerated, really accelerated. I mean, in school, they had a hard time with me. They finally, my English teacher or my teachers would let me go to the library every day. And I just read every book in the library by the time I got to sixth grade. And um, I was taking astronomy at the Miami-Dade uh, Planet, Transit Planetarium. And I loved everything. And um I decided that I couldn't take it anymore because my mom hated uh, what was happening and she, she didn't want to talk about it. But at the next thing I knew I was overprotected, like you wouldn't believe. Mm. And I just, my poor brother, you know, just our lives. My dad was in the, you know, off and on doing work in the military, different places. He did jobs for NASA as well. And um, so I, about the age of 14, I'd had enough, you know, I, he was either crazy, which she was trying to make me think and, or I was saying, and this needs to be addressed. And I was very determined. Um, I'm one of those people who's afraid of nothing. I've never been afraid of ever. You could try to scare me when doing any good. And uh, I, so I made up my mind, this is it. I'm going to, the next time it happens, I'm there, I'm doing this. I'm going to remember it. And few days later, I was up late one night out in the yard with my telescope doing my homework on a school night. And my dad said, go to bed. It's 11 o'clock. And I packed up the scope, got in the house, you know, put on my jammies and sat on the edge of my bed. One of my other proclivities was I never slept. I slept two hours a day max total. That's it. Hmm. I was looking out the window because Orion was up. It was a perfectly beautiful night and I wasn't going to miss it. So I just sat on the edge of my windowsill, you know, looking out my jealousy windows, which are huge at the sky and I just started seeing stars, lots of them. And my brain went, these aren't stars, what the hell, you know? And I kept looking and looking and they all paired off and they started going in different directions like east, west, north and south. Two of them came down over my area and I'm watching it. 
when they hit the atmosphere and they started changing colors, they were white up in space. And then they started changing colors as they came down. And then they got over the back of our house. One went toward Dade Lane Mall, which is uh, east of where we were in Kendall. And the other one came right over our backyard, right up next to my bedroom window. It leveled with my windows. I had a big tree right there too. And uh, I'm staring at it. I'm thinking, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget. And I start staring at the craft. I'm thinking, okay, memorize it. And when I got up to the ports, there were two facing me. And uh, <laughs> I saw a being in each one. And I went, oh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I turned to dive under my bed. That that shook me, okay? Uh, I made it halfway down and I froze like a a statue, the room exploded in blue white light and my memory went. I woke up about 4.30 in the morning and I hear my mom in the kitchen. I hear my dad in the shower and getting ready for work because he had to be out and uh, she's got the radio on and I'm thinking, oh God, what do I do? And then I realized I don't have my clothes on anymore. This is somebody else's clothes and they're messed up. They're inside out backwards, the whole thing. I mean, I wasn't wearing them right. And uh, I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I knew my dad had got out of the bathroom. So I went in there and took him off and got a shower, got dressed for school, because I had to leave at 530 myself. Mm. And uh, went in the kitchen, sat down. And she's like, make coffee. So I make coffee. And I'm thinking, how in the name of everything am I going to talk to this woman who will not talk about it ever? Mm. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God. I said, Mom, did you see anything? Anything. She says, what are you talking about? I said, down in the middle of the night. Hear anything, lights, anything? And she's like, what are you talking about? She whirled around and looked at me. She said, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, um, UFOs. And she went, eh, shut up and turned back around. <clears throat> Just as she did that, the radio changed. It was um, Paul Harvey was on the radio and it went to the news. And the very, very first thing out of this guy's mouth, the announcer was, two Dadeland police officers saw UFOs last night. Mm. private down to the bone describe it i lost my stuff okay i jumped up i was like <laughs> you know i i was like so happy confirmation <laughs> and uh, she's like we're not talking about this now get out of my kitchen and she meant it mm-hmm. didn't go against my mother okay i sulked out the door my dad was right there walking in and he heard me and he said go calm down go calm down big time go calm down because i was i was losing it okay mm-hmm. I have one room in the house that's private. This is the bathroom. You can lock everybody out. And I locked the door, turned the light out, and I sunk to the floor. Um, I was panicking. How do I remember what happened to me? It's real. I mean, the light switch went off. It's real. And I thought, okay, I'll replay what I remember. And I went over it, ticking it off. I have an eidetic memory. I can see everything that's ever happened to me in my own head. And right when I got to where the light was, my head exploded and I got sick. I mean, it was like a migraine hit me all at one time. And I was Mm. like, oh, God, the room world. And I realized what had happened. And pretty much is um, when that light hit me, two uh, AI grays came down in the light on an energy ribbon. And uh, they, you know, came to my floor and one of them walked over to me and he took me by my hand and turned me and walked me somewhat to the light and put his hand in my hand on top of one another like this on the ribbon the energy ribbon and the whole room went opaque everything went opaque i started getting nauseous again i mean nauseous Mm. and felt like a feather and the next thing i know we're going up like an elevator on this ribbon and um i'm looking at the ceiling i'm thinking hmm not going to make it. And we did. We went right through it. My tree went right through the tree, went went up to this craft. And weird thing about it is it wasn't holding perfectly still. It was dipping like this and swaying right to left. Mm. You know, it would bob and sway. And they had a door open, a hatch, and the ribbon went up along the hatch. It didn't go in it. It went up alongside the craft. And uh, when I got my feet just above the ledge of that door opening, he shoved me in. And I landed on my keister on the floor and I'm like my head swimming and I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, you know, and uh, I feel a presence to my left and I, I kind of looked and I was like, 
oh my God, I know who this is. This is mama. And my memory did, it's like, it's like, I don't know how amnesiacs tell you how they wake up, but it's all at once. It's like suddenly, oh, I know my name. Oh, I know who you are. Mm. I know where I am. That's how it was. But it was making me nauseous. And she's like, I'm so proud of you. You did it. La, la, la. Because I called her mama, you know. And uh, I was so emotional or whatever. I puked all over myself. I mean, all the way down my front. And uh, that was not fun. The two little grace came and got me. And they took me to a place to clean me up. It was a room and it had... Uh, they got my clothes off me. They put me in a, it's like a light shower. And they wiped me off as well. And they gave me a smock to wear. And I put it on. Now I'm shaking. When you're going into shock, I think you shake a lot. Mm. I was cold. I was shaking really bad. I was like, uh. And uh, he brought me back up to where mama was. And she took one look at me. And she went, oh, no, here we go. And uh, she said, take her for a walk. Get her grounded and give her some fluids. And he they took me and they walked me all over the whole craft. They showed me everything, including my quarters. And uh, I was shocked because I went in the door and I have a bed. It's up against the wall because the wall leans up, you know, curves up. There's a little cubby right there. And I had a fuller brush that I swear I thought I lost. My mother almost murdered me for it. That's expensive. Okay. And they're almost sitting there on a little side table. And, uh, it's like, hey, this is this is oh my god, you know, and I'm I'm everything they showed me, I attached a memory to it. I I have full blown memories of all of this. And uh, by the time I got back up to where mama was and sat me down, I was calmer. They gave me something to drink and it helped calm me down. And uh, it's viscous, greenish looking, mm. and uh, tasted like seaweed. <laughs> and uh, when I sat down, she's just looking at me. She held my hands. Mama greet. Grays greet each other by putting their foreheads up to one another, and they inhale when they do it. That's how they greet. And she put her forehead against mine, and she breathed me in, and I breathed back. And I guess I knew how to do that. And um, she said, I'm so proud of you. This is great. You know, you've come a long way. We knew you were going to try. And I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't even know what I was thinking. It was like, it's mind-blowing. My whole world shattered and fixed itself in one way. Mm. Like that, and I'm thinking, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and then I hear this voice in my head, and um, it was Talata. Um, uh, he is the all ET craft are built to be alive. They are not like us, but it's biological craft. They can be embodied by a fifth dimensional non corporeal being, and that's how they're flown. Um, what they do is very, very advanced. They work with light and that being has to be in there. Like we indwell our body here, they indwell the craft. Mm. Like they're, they have no body to begin with. And um, he said, hey, kid, how are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm okay. No, Delana. And he said, yes. And I had a really weird day that day. I'm not kidding you. And he said, I want you to talk to us. We're going to talk to you. And I said, Okay. And he says, you've made a huge move forward and you did something we didn't think you were going to do. And he said, we want now for you to listen to what we have to say. We give you an opportunity to work with us. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what does that mean? And uh, he said, but first, let's take a ride. And I'm thinking, whoa, okay, because I remember riding him. And he handed me this, it's like a wand object that's um, about this long, it's metal. And uh, he said, you hold that, you're going to fly. And then I realized, well, mama had sat me. I'm in the seat. I'm in the fl flight seat. And he, and he said, you, I knew how they flew, okay? I've been raised by them. I know how they flew. And, uh, but I didn't think I could do it. And he said, with this, you're going to hook up with me. And he gave me a briefing. It took 20 minutes to teach me what to do. And he said, let's go. And we headed out. And we went to go see Saturn. And that is a pretty cool place. Uh, Saturn is significant in our solar system. There's a lot to learn about it and a lot to understand about it. It tells the truth about many things about why we're configured now the way we are. And it has lots of moons that are very cool. One in particular flies in the opposite direction of everybody. And it's kind of cubey looking. And I learned about the rings and we flew up between the rings and looked at the whole thing. 
Saturn also tilts. A couple of our planets do. And he took me to the northern top, the northern pole of the planet, and showed me something that amazed me. It astounded me. Um, Saturn is a gaseous planet. It has a lot of rubble around it. And some of those are even kind of coming from outer, you know, the, the Kuiper belt or other things slamming, you know, here and there and everywhere. And it, the gravity of it just picks them up, dust, all of it. Um, when I looked at the top of the planet, there was an opening in the gas and it looked kind of sh- like hexagon. Like a hexagon. hexagon. Yeah. And, his, and I could see in to the core of the planet. And basically what I realized is there is a heavy core in this planet, but it's, the gas is, the pressure is so incredible. That's pretty good gravity. And, but it rings like a bell because of everything that's flying around it and the way things go. And it's created a vibration that opened that chevron up. And they said there's one at the uh, South Pole as well. Not as big, but there is one there. And I was like, oh, you know, this is totally cool. And everything that I had been learning about astronomy and everything was like, oh, my God. You know, and all I kept thinking was, oh, my God, you know, th- this is totally cool. And he said, okay, put the wand down. I've got it. And he flew us um, back to the where we are, the Earth, and he, we went to the moon. And we did a, a, a figure, at like, you know what a spirograph is, right? Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, it does concentric rings around and they spin as they go. He did eight concentric turns around the moon to let me look at it. And we did what's called a low pass. And uh, I get to see topography. And I got to see the back of the moon. They have a base back there. I got to see it. They have artifacts there that are very old and abandoned. Um, I get to see. I get to see the limb. I get to see the flag, and that was special to me. Okay, really special. I mean, my dad worked for NASA. I'm like freaky dicky for this stuff. And uh, we we went back up around to the top. Like if you were looking at the moon at night and you saw at the twelve o'clock top position, you went to the eleven o'clock position on the rim where the rim is where you still still see the moon a little bit but it's going into the dark that's where we landed soft landed Mm. and um i was shocked because when i was looking at they have a way to open up the craft so you can see out all the way around and i saw the earth in phase i knew that it did it but you don't believe it until you see it you Mm. know it's like oh it's just the way the cameras are nope it was in phase it was totally in phase and uh I was, that was the coolest thing I ever saw. And I was shocked how blue our planet is. Mm. I mean, it was sapphire. It has a little bit of other colors, you know, some reds and greens in there and browns and golds. And, but it's minuscule compared to the blueness of our planet. It's beautiful. And um, it hit me hard what I was looking at. And they sat me back down and they all sort of stared at me for a while. And I finally get this message from Talata. So... What do you want to do with your life? And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, what are you going to ask me? He said, what are you interested in? Well, at that age, I was interested in everything. I was already candy striping. I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to be a zoologist. I was a student park ranger in the Everglades. Um, I did all kinds of things. I love mathematics, I love science, I love chemistry, all of it. And uh, I also had the pleasure of having relatives who flew. And uh, my dad was a glider pilot. All airborne mm. rangers learned to fly gliders, and he could glide. And I've been up in a few planes, and I, I have an uncle who is starting to teach me, you know, taking me up, you know, ground school, that kind of thing. And um, just straight out of my mouth, everything went away from me, and I said, I want to I want to fly. But they knew exactly what I meant. I want to fly this. Mm. I want to fly this. And I thought, oh, my God, I, I'm pushing it, right? This is the <laughs> thing I could say and I was shaking with you know thinking oh he's gonna turn me down flat you know he said well this is doable we have to do some things first um, uh, okay like what he says we have to make sure that you can fly and that took them eight months they vetted me for everything uh, my abilities play very big into this my psychic abilities are the number one thing I have to be able to use to fly and uh after they vetted me, I began a long road after that. I was four years in learning to pilot craft. And I took my first flight when I was uh, 18, just after my 18th birthday, 19, excuse me, 19. And uh, I was out of school already. And uh, 
um, I got to fly solo, me, Talata, and just one of the greys. And um, I went to the Eastern Seaboard. And uh, most of my flights after that were training flights up and down the Eastern Seaboard. And it just went from there. Had a lifetime. So a lot is going on in my mind as you're talking. Like, um, for instance, when I was uh, listening to the story and also reading the book about, is it Talara? Is that how you pronounce the name? I, his, it, his name is very long. And some of the letters are T-L-E-R-A, sort of in the middle of it. Right. And I I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> I knew it. And I said, can I call you Talata? And he let me get away with it. So that's what I call him, Talata. Well, when I read it, you know, <clears throat> I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, like unbelievable. And it's one of the few shows I would get so excited about. And it reminded me of the TARDIS. And I mean that like literally, because there is a part of me that believes Doctor Who could be real. Like, I I don't know. It's just one of those shows that I've, and then I thought, don't you say in the book that it's, it, it was bigger on the inside a little bit when you went into the yeah. spaceship? And I said, oh my God, that's like real then. Like, I believe yeah. in something. That's why I like it so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't watch a lot of, I mean, I like some of the other science fiction shows, but there's something in Doctor Who that some of your story actually jives with and I don't know if it was accidental or some people that were involved in the show unconsciously knew or knew and deliberately because you know it's been running for 50 years and um and it is so beloved it's it's one of the I mean it's in a very weird way it appeals to so many people so anyway that was one thing I wanted to share with you that it it made me happy in a weird way (laughs) it was like oh wow this this could be real, the whole thing, even because I felt it was on some level. But did you have something you want to ask her? Well, no, I was going to comment on that. I've heard from other people before that these ideas all come from somewhere. And sometimes there's grains of truth that people can't openly discuss. But sometimes those creatives will include in stories and in fiction as much as they can that kind of get the truth out uh, about things like that. And so it wouldn't surprise me if Exactly what Dolly's talking about is how that influenced even 50 years ago, you know, a story that ended up making it on television. Yeah, E.T.'s had way more to do with us than you realize throughout centuries of life on this planet. Um, in the millions, billions of years, our, our planet system is 285 billion years old, not uh, from the formation of it. It took long before that just to form the place. Um, we did not live on this planet to begin with. We were on another planet. We were on Mars. Um, the, our planet has a wobble and it's tilting. We don't sit straight up like this. We tilt. And it, it's a good thing too, because we wouldn't have seasons unless we did that. And we have a moon that's uh, not tidal locked with us. It is helping us to rotate and, you know, it brings our oceans up and it gives us seasons and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there are other planets in the solar, uh, not the, our solar system, others in our galaxy that are much like this. Um, we have a 12,000-year cycle, and every 12,000 years, something happens to this planet. Our sun, uh, in our galaxy, we travel through our galaxy um, uh, slowly, and it's a 280-million-year trip around. And there are current sheets, electromagnetic current sheets. Space is not empty. It has different energies coming here and there and everywhere and, you know, different patterns and places. And we go through about every 12,000 years through an electromagnetic current sheet. And our sun changes polarity when that happens. And then all our planets and our solar system change polarity. And we're going through that one right now. And society on this planet changes rapidly every time that happens. Um, scientists know this they know the truth you're just not told about it i I have a question in regards to that um i know that the ancient egyptians had kind of a large scale cycle of going into a golden age and then coming down and going out of it um through you know many millennia beyond their existence and part of that i've always been curious is does that have to do with the energetic shift of vibration of all stars connected to one another through the galaxy in and of itself where the we're all based in vibration and if that vibration shifts and changes over time now, does that planet, cause any okay. effect no hold on a second something just happened uh you want to let us change device no okay sorry um are you there yes yeah yeah, yeah. we're still here all right, um, we're in a third dimension here. 
mm-hmm. and everything does vibrate and every vibration does affect us, but it doesn't affect us in the way that you think. Our planet is not alive. It doesn't hold memories. We do. The planet is a big rock. It has lots of stuff on it and everybody on it who are conscious living beings affect us. We affect the planet in a negative way in that we're polluting it. We're doing terrible things to it. And every iteration, I call it that, every 12,000 years, everybody comes up with a new thing. The Egyptians were 14,000 years ago at their start. That's like the last iteration. And they came forward through the, this one, the one that we're in now. And when you see them changing, it's because of what they're learning and doing. They have a tendency or had a tendency to, once they evolved up, they changed. This happens to us as well. Every time we evolve, things change, do they not? This is the natural process of our existence. Uh, Sometimes they change negatively and we're impacting that negatively. Sometimes they change positively and we're definitely changed positively. But it's still, that's who's doing it. We are. We are 100% responsible for everything that happens to us, everything we do and how we affect our environment and everybody else. Um, When you talk about vibration, um, there's three kinds that people don't sit and think about. One of them is sound vibrations. Uh, if uh, if if uh, Saturn is ringing, the vibrational quality of that does not make it to Earth. It's only there. Their gravity holds it in. If we're vibrating, it only happens here. We're not shooting it out into space. Our gravity holds it in. Mars doesn't vibrate anymore. Mars is a, a dead planet. It's dead core. Its um, total core is dead. It died. It's cold. And it has no more... Uh, anything going on with it. The only thing that's magnetic on that planet is the soil and some of the rocks. And that's left over from when their core was alive and working. That planet, when it was in a calamity um, a while back, I'm saying 280 million years ago, we we had a calamity. Uh, it threw it out of orbit where it was and it got thrown into the orbit that it's in now. And the calamity that happened blew the entire surface of that planet completely clean off. Mm. It is so broken, it is outgassing. And it has um, the gravitation of the outgassing causes magma. It does heat up from time to time and it will move and shift things. But it's, uh, I call it cold magma because it's not true core magma. Okay. Mm. It's just the rocks grinding against one another to the point that they, they erupt and cause, you know, earthquakes and a kind of a volcano eruption um earth is as alive as you can get our planet it's got a magnetosphere well not right now but it's got a magnetosphere that works beautifully it allows life to flourish here we have plenty of water um we have plenty of resources here for ourselves and we are absolutely the premier number one entity thinking on this planet and we tend to forget that we're responsible for it we're we're the you know, if you want to get biblical, we are the gardeners mm. and we're responsible for everything that we do here. And people don't take that responsibility in this iteration. They're doing strange things. Um, a lot of people are waking up because ET has had it uh, in their mind that there needs to be, because we're so close to the next turn of things uh, to send messages to everybody. Everybody's psychic. One of the things you don't get here is you've been turned away from your innate abilities Every human being, every entity, ET, all of us have the ability to be psychic 100%. You have the ability to use your abilities and you've been walked away from them. You've been cheated out of them, literally. Mm. Um, People tell their children, no, don't do that. Something's wrong with you, blah, blah, blah. Don't tell your friends will think bad things about you. And I know that every parent within the sound of my voice knows that they have a child that suddenly can read your mind. Or suddenly can do things and things happen in the house and you're like, wow. Most of these parents try to turn it off and tell them stop and walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Some parents who are aware and awake are encouraging those abilities. And yay. Uh, ET's number one message to humanity is literally wake up, use your abilities, learn now, critically learn now. Bring it to yourself. Wake up. Because what you can hear psychically is not vibrational. It's light language. It's like transference of thought. You are a, uh, you know, this body that you're living in is just the body. It goes away. Your uh, consciousness that is indwelling it, you're locked in right now. 
That's the way your DNA works. It holds in. Uh, I call it prana energy. Other people call it the, you know, the outer body energy or the, there's an energy name for it. And uh, it holds you, it locks you into it. And then once your body is done, it lets go and you leave and you take it with you. And that's how we come back. That's how we're attracted back to this planet because the prana that we have, the energy that we have will stay here and invite you back. If you're not learning what you're supposed to learn, the whole reason we come here is to learn, to become wise, because it's the only thing you take when you leave here. Mm. That love, you know, uh, you wear wisdom like a like a beautiful outfit. You know, wisdom is how you elevate, how you rise up. It's not frequency; it's light. Wisdom is light and knowledge, and we're here to get that. But it's hard for you to understand it if you're not psychically connected up and you can see the difference between the two. I can ring bells all day long. It's not going to elevate me at all, but my knowledge, my wisdom, my ability to use my ability will. Okay. Now you were, you were tested as a young uh, girl too, very rigorously. And you had very strong psychic abilities ranging from telepathy to uh, levitation. Did you uh, maintain those abilities? Because I know sometimes children, um, this is what my research has shown. Sometimes people will go through like uh, puberty and and some of those abilities go away and then they come back. This is just naturally. Um, So I I was wondering, did you maintain those? uh, And can you share some of your stories about them? Um, yes, I do maintain them. There are some that are not as strong for me right now. And it's not that I don't have them, but I'm in a place where I'm being suppressed. Uh, there are things going on around you that you don't realize that you're being suppressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is if you drink fluoride in any way, eat it, stop, because it messes with your pineal gland. Uh, there are other toxins in our environment that make me using my abilities pretty tough. I can still levitate somewhat. I can still, I mean, I have them all. Our magnetosphere is going down also, and that energy coming in at me full blast is also very hard. It deals me a blow every now and then. Mm. I have I have um, flashes of energy. Sometimes I'll get all I'll get to the point where I need to use it right now, <laughs> and sometimes it just turns on all by itself. And I do things like turn the TV on and off hysterically. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Preston has seen me do that. It's like, what are you doing? I don't know. Look, watch, roof, and it goes off. And I'm like, yeah, and it comes back on. Um, I like to play when I'm in my bathroom. I have this shower nozzle, you know, and it hangs down, and I, I push it with my mind back and forth just to keep at it. Um, just things like that. I'm a kinetic, different things. I'm wide open psychic. I, I have to follow some rules that they set for me. Uh, everybody here is very, very staunch on don't get in my head which I can understand. People here have a lot to uh, learn and understand about giving yourself wide open. And so I respect that and I don't go in anybody's head. Um, Sometimes you give it to me without me asking for it. I'll just be sitting there and suddenly, you know, it's like, hello, (laughs) how you doing? (laughs) And I'll say things to people. I also have, um, like, I can't give you names or anything, but and I'm going to give you a general because I don't want this person to be slayed by what I say. Um, every now and then I have what you would call mediumship. Uh, I'll see something and it'll hit me and I'll know exactly what to do f- for this person or I'll know where this person is or that. And um, and I, ha- I can't sit there with that information. I have to give it to them and I'll call them and tell them. Uh, some people will come to me and ask me for information and it just depends on what I'm doing, you know, um, I, I push myself out so much and I'm doing so much with giving to so many people. I have to be careful how much I let out. Um, I also am protective of myself in that if I'm too overt, they'll come after me. I'm already uh, on their radar and the government's radar and I don't want to go there. But uh, yeah, sometimes I'll do mediumship for people and I teach people how to use, do remote viewing. I teach you how to use your psychic abilities things like that, because that's what we should all be doing. I mean, if you could do it and you can do it at home, do it with your kids, do it with your neighbors, have parties doing it, you know, just practice. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I totally agree with you um, that we all have abilities and maybe we have a predisposition to express it in a certain way. Like some of it, in, like in, in palmistry, there are marks on your palm that show you have like, um, like Michael has precognitive on his palm and he is precognitive. 
and or clairvoyance and some of course you can develop but that maybe it's generational too, passed on just like another trait it's interesting yes. that's uh if I, if i had anything that would probably be it for me is um throughout my life i I don't want to say plagued, but I've been, uh, from a young child, I'll have very vivid dreams. And when those dreams are very vivid, at some point in my life later on, that event in a, one way or another will happen uh, to the point where by the time I was an adult, I would start to call it out when I notice it feels like deja vu to me, where all of a sudden I realize I'm in a place I've been before and I've seen this movie happen before. And when I start to say what's happening, it will freak other people out because they're like, oh, how did you know? And I'm like... I, I dreamed it. That's all I can think of is that I, I've dreamed this before, but it feels like that. And then it, that's as close as I can come to it is a precognition in a way. Yes, absolutely. That, that, that is So I have a question for you, Dolly, about it seems that, you, you know, these the entities um, that you've contacted have they're obviously very knowledgeable. So I can only imagine throughout your years with them that you've had many, many questions <laughs> Um that I'm sure they were able to answer. And I'm just curious personally about our history because I feel like we have so much, you know, mystery, you know, from where we've been to where we are now. And as you explained before, for example, the Egyptians, you said, you know, they were just doing with what they had at the time. Some of those things that we find are so mysterious to us, it seems like their, whatever they were using, their technology or whatever their mind set was at the time is so far from what we do today or how we, you know, interact with technology today that it seemed right. to be a different world. And to me, I've always explained it whenever people ask me, is it, you know, given a few thousand years, we've taken combustion and look at where we're at. You know, we kind of understand electricity, I think a little bit. But if you go back farther, if you take an entire civilization that discovered vibration, sound, and electromagnetism and gave them a few thousand years, we probably wouldn't recognize that. You would probably call that alien because you wouldn't know what that was, even though they are very human and created it. It's just what they foundationally built their, you know, entire systems on. Um, do you, have you ever asked or been curious about that and said where, you know, where did these things come from or what their purpose was, Stonehenge, the pyramids, you know, things like that? Yes. Uh, it was taught to me. I didn't even have to ask. Um, the uh, pyramids are a marker, and it's to point you, your mind, mathematically to what's going on around you. And it's to give you a map of what happens to our system from time to time. And it, it actually points to the 12,000-year cycle. So do all the other pyramids on the planet. And they line up in a pattern that's actually part of our field lines. And it also shows that our planet is not going to sit in this position. It's going to go over at some point and cause a NOAA event. Um, these are all huge, huge monuments to their knowledge of how they've lived and what's in front of us. Also, humanity um, needs to remember that while you're trying to advance and technology is not the golden egg that you think it is, because look what it's caused on this planet. It has caused pollution in ways you can't even imagine. It has caused destruction in ways that people use things that are no-nos to ET. Uh, nuclear devices are a no-no, and they're using them, and they've become very violent here, and they use violence and fear as a way to control the population to help them do their technology and supply it. And um, it's not a healthy mindset to be in. The Egyptians knew this. They had, they had evolved into the technologies that they were using were only to point markers at what we could be doing. What we should have been doing is um, evolving emotionally, mm. responsibly, maturely, uh, teaching each other. Because the greatest, the greatest responsibility all beings have to one another is to all beings we're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to not have starving kids. We're not supposed to have homelessness. We're not, these are the important things, not all these spaceships and everything, it's just not. Um, it takes a long time for technology to evolve and develop and it needs to stay in the laboratory until they understand it completely before rolling it out and poisoning us with it or hurting us with it. Like you and, said, know all that you can know and then move forward, right? Is that All that is knowable and then proceed. That has um, been said to me more times than I can tell you. I live by it, and uh, so should we. 
that's part of the waking up process. What's important? What, what is it that we're learning? What is karma? What is, why, why are we here? What are we doing? Uh, we literally are all in the same place at the same time. We are in source and the universe has us there and we can come out our consciousness and indwell a body and learn what would be the point of being here? You know, do you want to learn all the bad stuff or do you want to learn all the good stuff? You want to learn why love is important or do you want to learn why killing is bad? Um, I personally don't like that. And I would rather find out why love is more important. I would find out why children need to be protected and cared for and given everything emotional and as responsibly as we can and show them the universe, teach them to want to learn to know all things. We're, we're teaching our kids to be dummies here and it's not okay. And this is why I speak out. And this is why I bring their message. It's time. This is what it means. Use your abilities. Wake up. Figure out what's more important. You know. What I get um, from both you and Preston was this um, emphasis on your experience being about the ETs are compassionate, empathetic. Yes. This whole yes. um, that you were taught this moral code. Um, and also Preston mentioned that sometimes the ones that are contacted are people trying to help in some way. And I do think that's a different story than what you hear publicly about ETs. It's just that people, you're programmed to learn to be afraid of everything. You're programmed to be paranoid. You're programmed to be suspicious. You're programmed to uh, only think of yourself and nobody else. Uh, these are bad traits for a human to be walking around with. And you see everything in the wrong light. Um, when I was nursing, uh, I had patients come into the ER who would bite me, stick me, kick me, kill me, whatever, don't touch me, eh, 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 when we're trying to help them and save their lives. Uh, this is the normal way for humans to behave on this planet. And now all of a sudden we're dealing with ETs who are trying to help us, and they have been for the last 80 years in a very serious way. Our magnesphere is going down. We have gamma radiation coming in. If you wonder why cancer is so bad now, why autoimmune disorders are so bad now, why people have more mental disorders. I mean, everything is amping here. And it's because your DNA is being derazzed, you know, by incoming gamma. And they have been bolstering us and holding us up until this finishes. And we're getting close, okay? When we bring you on board, we're helping you. We're not hurting you. If you go to the doctor and he says, I got to put a needle in your arm, honey, okay? And you freak out and try to scratch his eyeballs out while you're doing it. You scream and thrash. And now all you remember is how horrible that was. How do you think they feel about when ET tries to help them? Mm. This, is, this, is, this information to people is huge. And people, instead of coddling them and helping them understand, walking them through what happened to them and helping them to see, did they really torture you? Or did they just heal something for you? Did they give you a tour of the ship? Did they uh, sit you down and smile at you? Did they hold your hands? What, what's up? You know, mm -hmm. why do you see this as a negative experience? And then they go, oh, oh, okay. I get it. A lot of people are starting to wake up to that. It's not bad when you go on board. Nobody's no, that's always been my personal beef like, intuitively with the way that the media has always portrayed aliens is that it's always yeah. this weird catastrophic war, you know, that happens. And for some reason in my mind, I'm like, I, 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 I failed to, I just don't resonate with it in the sense that it seems like if you become a higher evolved being, you're more in tune with love and it would be the same way that you watch a child thrash around and be a brat about something rather than somebody who's a conscious full adult that would approach things with love. I doubt that that would be and being more evolved. If they if they wanted to do that, we wouldn't be here to begin with. That's how I feel. It's like so it, it, it seems like those two things never went together in my mind. It just seemed odd that, that we would always be taught to perceive them in that, that fashion. I want to make a point about something. This is serious. Okay. What we learn on this planet is uh, not magical in my mind because there are people who torture everybody here. We're the ones doing all the torturing. We're the ones that are doing all the killing. We're the ones who are doing all the maiming and hating and disinformation and separation of one another. We treat each other like dog. Okay. And we have egos here that are tremendous and the people who are controlling all of this push that ego button as hard as they can mm. and have made us troll onto ETs that which we feel about ourselves. 
You know, we see them from our point of view mm. and not from theirs. No empathy whatsoever. And it's a guided message. And it's been going on for some time. They actually work on people here, you know, my lab, them, things like that. It's not pretty. And they do it because they have an agenda. And uh, I wouldn't want to talk about that today. That's way over the edge. And I don't want to go there. Um, what I do want to say is this. How do we stop them? How do we get past this? And the best way to do that is to work on yourself first, okay? Meditate, use your abilities, find your spiritual core, okay? Mm. Resonate to yourself, ring your own bell, bring your own vibration. And that is literally your mind. Your consciousness is indwelling. Actually, it's here, not here. Your physical mind can only hear your consciousness if you make the pathway between the two, and that's involving your pineal gland. Um, if you were wide open psychic, you would know the truth. If you were wide open psychic, you would know love, real love. If you were wide open psychic, it might help you heal yourself and then you can go and help everybody else after. Okay. We need to, we need to stop being victims. We need to stop being horrified. We need to stop listening to all the negative stuff. We need to delete it, get rid of it, throw it away, tell it you're not welcome here anymore. I mean, that, this is necessary stuff for us. Mm. And, um, you know, every time I see them advertise, you know, what's that game on, uh, uh, you know, they, I don't play these games. It's uh, Warcraft, right? Mm. Is that it? Yeah, okay. that's one of them. What? What? You know, <laughs> when my daughter was coming up, she didn't have any of those at all. You know, no. Um, no, this is violence. This teaches violence to children. And then it goes up, you know, we have, we have, we have just too many problems. We need to fix it for ourselves and then work on our families and then spread out from there and join hands and go, we only got love for one another. This is over. Okay. You can't, you can't lie to us anymore. Turn the bloody TV off. It doesn't need to be on. You don't need to hear it. They're not telling you the truth anyway. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. evolve, learn, sit your mind out to get answers that you need, you'll get them if you stop being driven nuts by all this stuff. It's important. Yeah. As a parent, I have to ask the question, you know, your generational have, you know, before what's going on right now currently with the magnetosphere, did, did you ever hear stories from your own children about um, the same thing that you went through as a child? Yes, my daughter is a contactee. Um, her, she, had, she got a tattoo when she was an adult and i said what do you get what do you get you know and she showed me it's a it's a ufo hmm. i was like oh look at that and uh when she was little it, i had a i had a special friend you would call it an unseen friend but they were seen by me and it used to call itself cuba to me and cuba was very informative to me i could see cuba uh cuba would spend much time with me i had a wonderful relationship with this being and uh, my mom my mom broke my door down one day. I was about mm, eight and I was sitting there talking to Kuba and having a wonderful, glorious conversation. And then Kuba answered me out loud and my mother heard it. She went right through my door, knocked it straight to the ground. Where is he? Where is he? And uh, <laughs> she was mad. <laughs> so fast forward years later and I got this little kid, you know, this little girl and she's four years old. And she goes, I hear her in the back of the house. Somebody, Cuba, stop that. And I'm like, huh? And I went walking down the hall toward her room and I, I looked in and she's talking to somebody and I'm thinking, okay, center, get your mind open. What is she looking at? And I see this being and it went, when it saw me see it and I recognized who it was in Cuba. And I said, Emmy, who are you talking to? Well, somebody Cuba. And I went, hmm, that's a funny way to say that name. And she says, well, it told me to use that name because you use Cuba. <laughs> so I had to watch my daughter evolving with somebody Cuba in my house and just let it go because mm -hmm. I got good stuff from mm -hmm. her. Uh, her, she had many lifetimes and she had done, she was a male sometimes and a female and she's very male energy anyway. And uh, I just let it go. Okay. Have fun. I trusted this entity with my life. And so I watched it happen. It's important to let your children be, Mm -hmm. If you know it's positive and being able to use your abilities is key here, because if I saw that it was negative in any way, oh, you bet I would have dealt with it right then and there. Okay. No, no it's part. Um, my daughter's, uh, I've protected her at, with my life. And, uh, and there are 
you know, negative influences here. But yeah, you know, she would, she had talents of her own mm. and stuff like that. And you just let them be, you let them, they don't belong to us. They are with us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Come through us. Um, we're responsible for them when they're not old enough to take care of themselves, but they're going to move on and be their own people. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what a gift to have on. you as a parent, you know, to, you know, while going through that, as opposed to right. somebody yeah. who could be in a very different situation. Right. I don't sulk over the fact that my daughter was moving away from me and going into the world. I I revel in the fact that I got to spend this glorious amount of time with her and my memories are strong. Okay. Mm. And I have lots of enjoyment over it. And I can look back and go, you know, but I, I'm still on a path as well. Mm. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry about the past. I'm moving through the future. And so are they. So what is the what is the uh, current sort of um message or what's going to happen in regards to the alien um, encounters? Because you do mention something in the end of the book that's really interesting about what we're being prepared for. Could you briefly talk about that? Our our planet is going to go through some pretty cataclysmic things. And um, while they're not here right now, they haven't been here for two years. And it's because our magnetosphere is too far down. They can't fly here right now. Um, They know that we're gonna have to get off this planet and they will come back and the minute they can come back they will we're in a race with the uh, world government those that don't want us to be the ones they pick up they want to survive mm. they have ground holds they have seed depositories i mean they've got every bloody thing you can think of to survive and we're in their way and we have to deal with them right now that's what's happening to everybody uh, you think uh, they, they're going to want you to think that ET is going to kill you. No, they're not here. They have back-engineered uh, craft, and they're not okay. Mm. So that's what we're facing. If you can make it through what's coming, because we do have a CME that's going to hit our magnetosphere, that's going to down the entire grid on this planet. Everything will go cold. What is a CME? Coronal mass ejection. Well, coronal mass ejection. They're, they're pretty much... Uh, the same uh, intensity that they've always been, but with our magnetosphere down, mm-hmm. a class two coronal mass ejection could hit us just right and become an X class coronal mass ejection. And that will take our grid down perfectly. Mm-hmm. At the whole world all at the same time. Wow. And that's what they want you to prepare for. They want you to be self sustainable. They want you to realize that um, you need to think about taking care of yourself, not just for that moment, but for what's coming first. And that's the government's. Well, the government was only in the last few days has announced the uh, the leader of the Space Force has said that we are, you know, need to prepare for threats that are outside of the Earth, I think is what the that's been going. <laughs> that's the, the latest media. I'm, I'm going to be very brief about this and, and because it's too horrible to even say for me, but they have two type of craft. One of them is a TR-3B, and the other one is a rectangular one. And they are crowd controllers, and they have laser cannons, and they will take you out and make you think it's ET. I'm telling you. Wow. They plan it. And they're gonna, they have 7D holographics that look like they're really there. They're prepared for this. They're getting away with it right now because they know ET is not going to stop them. They're not here. So beware, you know, and just take care of yourselves. We are, we are close to, to the end of the show. I just wanted to let you know we have a minute and a half. <laughs> the good news is that we don't die. The body is temporary. Who we are is permanent. So be enjoyed. Live every minute of every day as challenging as it is, but be happy about it, joyful at it, and do what you got to do for yourself. You're either going to make it all the way through to the day they come back, or you're not going to be here anymore. But in the end, you're still going someplace. You know, mm-hmm. just be happy. Love protects you. Love in your family protects you. And uh, humans have gone through many, many things. Look at history, mm. okay? And we're at history-making moments now. Absolutely. That is a good way to end the show, I think, and give us that sense of, you know, you'll be okay no matter what if you stay in a certain vibration, you know? And I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I also concur. <laughs> so thank you, Dolly. We would we'd love to have you back another time. It was really enjoyable. I know we barely touched on some subjects and I really appreciate you coming on. And thank you, Matt. I think it was great having you here. We'll thank have you. you I appreciate here, it. So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dolly. This was amazing. Yeah. Fascinating. And, and thank you, you. Thank you for being brave to come out and talk about this, because I know that that takes a certain kind of courage. And I, I appreciate that. 
You're welcome very much. Thank you. That makes me feel good when you say that. Thank you. I need that every now and then. It's like, oh, yeah, because I can be real dope sometimes. And it's like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So. And thank you all for listening in. Join us next time as we continue to explore the esoteric and the obscure together. Have a wonderful week.